Hi guys, welcome back to Wickedly Macabre. This is your in true crime, Tiffany, and I am here with my best friend, Dee Dee. I do the paranormal. Hi she, there. She does. Uh, she might sound a little funny because she was getting um, over having laryngitis. Today, I am going to do the episode. We don't want her to lose her voice completely. Yeah, it's been a rough, like, three weeks. And then I've also had TMJ, so... <laughs> Yep. It's been a bit of a a bit of a few weeks for her. <laughs> so my goal today is uh, trying to, you know, shut up as much as possible and let Tiffany take the reins. But don't worry, I still got your fun creepy fact guys to creep you out. Which I have grown yep. fondly. I love them. I am glad you like them. I, I'm having fun with them. I think they're a nice little giggle party, I guess. Most of the time you find stuff that I didn't even know about, which is cool. I have this magical power that I uh, I can, I just know weird, weird facts. They're just completely random. Like, all you have to say is like, okay, so for an example, Tiffany, yes. list, list a animal or food or planet i don't know element um how about pluto fuck i don't really know much about pluto but i do know that there is because it's barely a planet you know it's it's been downsized to a dwarf planet but did you know that there's a dwarf planet called Circes? i believe that's what it's called Circes. That is actually in the asteroid belt. Pluto isn't our only dwarf planet. It's actually one of many dwarf planets that is in our solar system. But every time I think of Pluto, I, well, I think about the dwarf planets that people forget about. And then additionally, there's that ancient aliens theory of, of the Anunnaki's planet that has a really weird orbit around the sun and i think their one year orbit is equal to about 20 it's either 21,000 years or 2100 years something like that in earth years instead of it being like circular around the sun it's more of a very stretched out like oval anyway that's that's an example of where my mind can take take people on this magical ride all you have to do is like trigger me they're like oh you like dolphins you won't anymore after i tell you what they do with their penises i just know things (laughs) so you were talking about ancient aliens which immediately my brain goes to crazy hair science dude from ancient aliens tv show if you google crazy hair dude from tv show it literally pops up with his picture which i think is great yeah i I, love that dude yeah no i love love his hair um every time i have the chance to say ancient aliens i put my hand up on top of my head and i flab it like it's hair yep yep and everyone knows what you're talking about yep I yep. first started uh, listening to him way back when on Coast to Coast AM, which is where I... That would be a world of annoying sounds. It really would. Could you imagine? You're sitting in your house and beep, 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 coming from all directions. No, thank you. Yep, no thanks. That was a tangent and a half, but a good one. Yeah, you know, it's what I do. I Tangents. used to I used to listen to the Coast to Coast TV show at night, Um and get all creeped out hiding under the blankets, like, in a ball. 
but I can't stop listening to it, but I'm still creeped out. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what the Coast to Coast radio show is. Really? You would love it. I probably would. It sounds right up my creepy-ass alley. It really is. Really is. So speaking of creepy things, today um, I found this case of another serial killer that I did not know about. Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of them. So... Today's case, the reason I chose this one is not about the crimes or... Hold on. Hold on. Stop right there. You're getting ahead of yourself. What do we do before we get into the story? What do we do? Find creepy facts to creep you out, Tiffany. Oh, yeah. Find creepy facts to creep you out. You know, it's so funny... How you were just saying, I'm really fond of your fun, creepy facts, and and they make me happy, and I like them. And then you totally forgot about them five minutes later. <laughs> you know, that's the uh, golden retriever in me. Okay, so today's fun, creepy fact to creep you out. Um, it's it's kind of like, it's got two parts to it. Like, the first part is kind of creepy and gross. And then the second part is the nerd person in me, completely fascinated by anything that has to do with any of my nerdisms so we'll get there but the last public execution by guillotine was on june 17 1939 in paris france the criminal who was beheaded was eugene weidman his crimes kidnapping and murders his tale is for another day but the crowd observing the execution is the real star here, though, in, in this fact, because instead of being disgusted and repulsed by the execution that they were witnessing, they were excited by it. They became rowdy and even like they started taking their handkerchiefs because that was something that people still had back in the day because, um, you know, hygiene apparently wasn't invented and uh, they would take their handkerchiefs, right? all soaked in their personal snot and tears or whatever they use handkerchiefs for. I don't know. And they would soak up this dude's blood and keep it as a souvenir of the execution. What the fuck? That is weird. Um, Yeah. So they didn't do public guillotine executions after that, (laughs) but they kept using the guillotine as a, as a form of execution um, up until I believe the 1970s, I think 1977 was the last time anybody was executed by guillotine in Paris or France. I don't know if it was actually in Paris, but France relatively. But here's here's where I get all nerdy, right? Okay, so this happened back in 1939. Christopher Lee, the actor who portrayed Dracula and Sauron from the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. Uh, and who also served as an inspiration to James Bond, was in the crowd and witnessed the execution at a mere 17 years old. Wow. Yep. Could you imagine watching that at 17? I can't imagine watching it now. Yeah, seriously. No, thank you. With your bucket soaking up all the blood? Nope. Mm Mm-mm. Did they use a bucket? I don't know if they used a bucket. No idea. I just made it up. (laughs) And I wrote that on actual physical paper. So, 
Tiffany, since I'm not doing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and stop talking. I'm doing a lot of talking. I can already feel my throat getting kind of angry. I don't know if people can hear like the, the uh, raspy or graveliness to my voice right now, but um, I'm gonna stop talking. I'm gonna let you get into the case. Also, you know, I'm really, really thankful for you to kind of take this on and and just take the case and and record on your side so thank you um i much appreciate it my dear friend yeah of course anyways i think it's about my turn anyways because you did the last two well i mean it would have only been your turn if uh fate had decided which i mean technically it did because one of us has a good voice so uh, today's episode is about the west mesa bone collector this sounds gross. It's very interesting. Okay, but you think everything's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> true. All very right. true. Let's jump back a few years to the fall of 2005. Holy crap, this is recent. It is recent. Way more than you think. I'm locking myself in my car. <laughs> you already creeped out? Yep. <laughs> She reminds me of myself during that time. I'm going to guess by the timeline that we were similar ages. Back then, I was a cadet with the sheriff's office. I was very different than what I am now. Very naive. I was learning to be a police officer, doing ride-alongs and trainings, and really just learning about how the world works like we all do as teenagers. I will never forget the first time I saw a dead body. Oh my god, I hate dead bodies. It was um, it was during my first search and rescue mission. First, we were searching for evidence at a crime scene, and um, that's where I saw my first dead body, which I can't really go into details because of the situation. But Detective Lopez was out in the field. She hadn't seen any until this first one. I felt really connected to her because our backgrounds are very similar and we're similar of age. That's what got me to dive into this case. Sometimes, often, especially when I'm hurt, I think, would I have changed everything or anything? I wouldn't be the person I am today without the obstacles that I had to overcome. She also had to overcome some huge obstacles in her life. What is most interesting is there's a very good chance all of these missing people would never have been found if Detective Lopez wasn't diagnosed with cancer. You see, after she graduated college in the police academy, she really started to learn about the lives of sex workers and how much of a powerful hold drugs can have in a person's mind and body. It causes people to do things they never would in a million years otherwise do. We're just trying to get one more fix. That doesn't include the financial and personal massive, really black hole that drugs are. As a young adult, Ida was diagnosed with kidney cancer. It's crazy because young females hardly ever get it. And if they do and they catch it in time, then you have like a 1% chance of having it go away. She was young and a female. I could only find a handful of cases on any young females at the time having kidney cancer. She was not supposed to survive, but they caught it early enough and surgery was successful in removing it. She did not have to do any other treatments. It was gone. Thank God. 
So the only thing was, while she was on the table, they found a mass in her adrenal gland. But because they found it so early, they were also able to take it out. It's amazing. It's remarkable. She was so lucky in so many ways. The physical impact and recovery type of this surgery was going to make it very difficult for her to recover from. She said that she needed extremely gradual return to work, if at all. So she decided the best thing for her to do when she was ready was to become a reserve officer for a few months just to keep up with her training and still be able to do police things and do what she loves. A few months in, her department offered her a position as a full-time missing persons detective. She was the only one in the entire department. They didn't even have a missing persons department at all. No one working on missing persons cases. That's so surprising. Yeah. Wait, was this a small town? It's not a small town. She was the only one that started noticing a pattern of young women going missing around the same age, looks, jobs, etc. So she reached out to Michelle, one of the missing people's father, to let him know that she was the new detective on the case. At this point, he thinks that she is just pissed off at him because the last time they talked, she said, hey, dad, can I move back in? And he said no, because her little sister, who was 12 at the time, gave their dad an ultimatum. If you let her move back in, I am out. She just couldn't take it anymore. They used to be really close before she got into drugs and that she was just done. The last time they heard from her, it just, she was mad. So she was like, fuck you, I'm out. She was missing for quite a long time. Then the family heard a rumor that Michelle and Cinnamon, who was another missing person, had been murdered and buried in a new development area of the West Mesa. Within that pattern, she was like, you know what? I'm going to start collecting DNA from families. That way, later on, when I need it, I have it already. No need for warrants or any of that stuff, which is smart. She's very smart. We're going to jump ahead to February 2nd, 2009. Dee, you have a dog. Yeah, I have a dog. Do you like to go walk around your neighborhood with your dog? Um, I mean, that's what you do with a dog is, you know, leash them up and walk them and, you know, scoop up poop around the neighborhood. Yeah. Christine Ross was walking her dog, Ruka. So let's go back a little bit. Her housing development area is on a vast desert of undeveloped land because when the economy went to shit in 2008, the construction site stopped. The market crashed. No one was buying houses. Everyone was all freaked out. People were losing their jobs. So you have a, a partially developed neighborhood. Exactly. And so, you know, she went walking with her dog. Well, Ruka, being a dog, decided, I'm going to dig around in the sand. Except Christine couldn't get her dog to stop. When she looked down, Ruka had uncovered... Now, Tiffany, I don't expect you to have the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How did she know that it was a fucking human bone and not, like, a deer carcass? Like, 
why why would she think that it is a human bone? So my next sentence is she took pictures of it and texted them to her sister, who's a nurse. You actually have an answer for it. I have an answer. <laughs> Good job, Tiffany. <laughs> I can read your mind. So her sister told Christine, call the cops because that's a human femur. Full stop. So I have a fun fact. So when I was doing the research, I was like, what the hell is a dried out wash? I'm in Oregon. I don't know what that is. So my friend Google says that a dry wash canyon are dry stream beds that flow as rivers or streams after periods of rainfall that New Mexico clearly has because of their weather. So when it rains, the stream carries the soil down downstream and then it gets deposited along the river bank and then it, you know, keeps moving and keeps replenishing as the rain stops and goes. So so the name actually makes sense now that you've described it. Exactly. Huh. Good job, namers of naming things of society. Can I have that as a job title? Uh, I think it is a job title. Clearly, there's a society of naming things. I feel like that would be fun. I'm a good namer of things. Like... Like that tree over there, bush. Oh, yeah, I guess it's a bush. I would name that tree, tree bush. Tree bush? Bushy. Yeah, tree bushy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's what he said. Trisha. That bush's name is Trisha. <laughs> On December 9th, 2010, the police department released seven photos of unidentified women, including a 15-year-old from out of state. She was a runaway. One of the victims is... Selenia, I think is her name, Edwards. Uh, she ran away from Oklahoma on August 7, 2003. Her remains were found on the construction site in 2009. She was the only victim that was not white or Hispanic and out of state. She's the only one that doesn't fit the profile of the other victims. Number two, Jamie Valera was 15-year-old Hispanic female who disappeared from Albuquerque, March 26, 2004. She went missing with her cousin, Evelyn Salazar. They were last seen together at a family gathering. So finally, in 2010, when the remains were found, an expert used the DNA that of the families and ran them against the DNA of the victims, and that's how they connected them. Jamie was the only victim who did not have a connection to drugs or sex working. Her cousin, Evelyn, was 27. A forensic specialist used DNA evidence to identify the remains like they did with all the other women. What's interesting is I read a lot of things saying that the park was like right next to where they went missing. But in fact, Google says it was 12 miles away, which is not a mile away. So I think the park they're talking about is Ross Park. It's the only one that's near where the streets connect. So victim number four is Monica Candelaria. She's 22. They were investigating her disappearance in 2003 when friends of hers said that she went missing and was buried in the West Mesa. What's crazy is they were right. The deputy said that she lived a high-risk lifestyle and may have gang ties, so maybe it 
the gang was involved. Um, she had been convicted of prostitution once, according to court records. She was born in Albuquerque, June 20th, 1981, and passed away February 2nd, 2009, at 22 years old. She enjoyed laughing, joking, taking care of babies, and spending time with her family. She will be remembered as a loving daughter, mother, granddaughter, niece, cousin, and friend. She had one living son and one daughter who died before she did. That is from her obituary. Number five, Victoria Sanchez was 26. She was the first to be found and identified before the public learned that they were most likely a serial killer on the loose and that there were more victims. Her stepdad said they didn't think that her prostitution and drugs would eventually lead to her death. They still had hopes that one day there would be a knock on the door and it would be her. She was reported missing after a year went by without seeing her. She mentioned that she was on probation for drugs and prostitution the last time they saw her. Number six was Virginia Cloven, 24. She grew up in Los Chavez. She was a funny, loving person who enjoyed doing her makeup and was a favorite at school. She was also a favorite amongst her teachers. She had a great sense of humor and was a doll to be around, but she was a bad liar. She would come back like two minutes later and confess that she lied. Her world changed when she was in high school. She was 17 when her brother was shot and killed. It turned out to be ruled a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but then it changed to a homicide in self-defense. Her other brother and her decided to run away from home. They just couldn't take it anymore. He asked her to take care of all of her issues with the police and then meet up with him, but she never showed. Her dad and stepmom searched everywhere for her. They even put up flyers all over town. It was like she just vanished. They last heard from her June 2004 and reported her missing four months later. Now, number seven is interesting. This is Cinnamon Elks. She was 32. Her mom, Diana, knew something was wrong when she didn't make contact on her birthday. It took five years for police to confirm she was dead. She had 19 prostitution and solicitation arrests. 14 of them were convictions. She was part of that rumor that was going around saying that she had been murdered and buried in the West Mesa. She was also friends with at least three of the victims, Gina, Michelle, Victoria, and likely Julie. Number eight was Doreen Marquez. She was 24. She loved jewelry and fashionable clothes. She had a huge personality, according to her friends and family. She loved to do her hair and nails. She was said to never have a bad hair day. It always looked glorious. She would never leave the house without doing her hair. She was a cheerleader at West Mesa High School. I just like messy bun and go. What about you? Uh, dude, all day, every day, messy bun, sweats, and my super awesome clubs, my croc clubs. Your crocodile clogs? No, my crocs. I'm just kidding. Oh, I was, I was, I was starting to consider, like, I was getting worried (laughs) 
that I would have to sit there and explain to you what Crocs are. You're like, wait a minute, uh, Tiffany is saying a joke? I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. And then I, I, I got severely concerned with your memory uh, because I'm the one who introduced you to Crocs and their cute fashion line back when we were working at the electronics store. So, but I don't have like the super ugly ones, like with all the holes. Yeah, no, me stuff. neither. No, I have, I have like the ones that look like um, dance goes. Yep. Those are comfortable. My favorite ones yeah. are the heel versions because I can't wear heels. But because of the, I don't know if it's the height or probably the footbed and both, but I can wear those ones. It's probably because of the material that it's made out of. Probably. Because the Crocs light is really kind of, I don't know. I've always thought, because I've had, I've had the Crocs wedges before. Yeah. And I have found that they're some of the most, like, comfortable. Like, they got a little bounce in them. You know, when I am looking, trying to look fine. I'm married. I'm not I'm not out there to impress anybody. My husband loves it when I, you know, dress down and look like a crazy person. So. That's what counts. At least, at least that's what he tells me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, is it true? Right? He'll have to confirm. <laughs> On the next episode. Just kidding. The story of Dee killing her husband. For lying to her for years. JK, I would never. Of never, course not. Never. never. I love him. He's cute. A little he, easy on the eyes. He's adorable. Yeah, I'm going to keep him. Anyway, go on. Um. Okay, so her boyfriend was jailed. And that was when she turned to drugs. It was the last year of her life that was taken over by her addiction. Her mom told her the last time she saw her to leave and come back when she wasn't using. The last time she saw her daughter, her last words were, go away. Oh my God, that's so hard. Um, police reported that the last time they saw her, she was dropping off her kid at Calvary Christian Academy in October 2003 but a friend later said that she was actually last seen in Borelas unlike many of the other women whose bones were found on the West Mesa hers background she didn't have any prostitution arrests but police think that she engaged in it nonetheless she just wasn't caught many years later her daughters would still go down to Roswell to decorate their mom's grave. They are both grown now. Her mom loved butterflies and wind chimes, so that's what they use to decorate. Number nine is Julie Miato. She was 24. She grew up in Albuquerque's South Valley and loved chili peppers and jump rope. She later went to Job Corps, which helps young people in different professions. They teach you, and two years after she went missing, her sister, Valerie, was found dead in a motel on Central Avenue after overdosing. Valerie just couldn't handle her sister, Julie, being gone. Soon after the mom found out about the West Mesa girls, that was when they that she learned that Valerie died. So finding out 
back to back that both your girls died is horrible. Like just thinking about finding out one of your children die has died is terrible. But imagine both around the same time. Now she's raising both their sons. 